Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Mean Green Nation podcast. It has been a while, and uh, I don't think anybody really needs any contacts. We've all been living through this global pandemic up to this point. We lost uh, the, the NCAA tournament, the Conference USA tournament. Um, some of you have lost loved ones. Uh, I mean, it, it's, it's hard to be frivolous about the whole thing. Or just to to take it like lightly and, and and pretend like it's not, uh, you know, life or death for for a lot of people. Um, and if it and if it isn't, I think that's at worst, right? At at best, it's just uh, you know, a, a change in circumstance that uh, we we haven't seen before. I've been fortunate here at uh, Mean Green Nation Pandemic Global Headquarters uh, <laughs> that. Uh, it's largely been working from home, hanging out with the kids all day. And I'm, I'm tremendously grateful for that, uh, that fact. And I know a lot of people have had it different and, and more difficult. And, um, you know, I, I think it's important that we, we consider that and, and take that in as we start talk about, uh, talking about some things that, that don't matter as much. Um, you know, we don't absolutely need to play college football. Um, but I, you know, by the same token, I do understand the value on it, right? Uh, I think one thing about, uh, say, like any human endeavor, like college football or something, is that it, it is humans taking a part in it, right? And and a lot of people are putting their, the all of themselves into it. So they're putting all of human ingenuity and uh, will and effort. And I think if you're going to take the, the stance that, uh, you know, humans are the most important thing, uh, then even the silly things that humans do are very important. Um, and, you know, I, I think we don't need college football to survive, but uh, there are people that uh, derive their livelihood from college football, right? It's, it's not really different than, the, than a circus or any other entertainment, uh, live entertainment kind of deal. And it's, it's kind of weird to say, but, I mean, you know, people take their craft seriously, right? People dedicate their lives to coaching the game, to teaching the game or whatever. And um, it does entertain a lot of people. And, you know, we should respect that to the point. Um, so it's kind of the weird, it's weird, uh, and the word's ambivalence, right? Where it's kind of pulling in two directions at the same time. And, you know, that's where we are. Uh so, you know, everybody's saying we don't need to be playing college football at this point. I, I, I don't think we absolutely need to, no. Uh, but I think there's a lot of value in it. And how it was nice to see some semblance of uh, normality, normalcy uh, out there. But it, it was a little scary seeing people just talk about it uh, in the pandemic uh, real cavalierly. Like, yeah, well, you don't, need, you don't need to wear a mask and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I mean, I know a lot of people have said that, and then and then they died, and I think uh, that's why I'm not I'm not too excited to engage in that type of conversation. Um, but that said, let's talk about the game. This is a weird season. Uh, I wrote in the season preview that North Texas uh, was going to have a challenging year, no matter what. Right? This is the first year without Mason Fine. Uh, this is the first year where uh, Seth Luttrell's coming off one of his own losing seasons, right? So uh, I think when he first came in, he was like, hey, 
you practice like that, that's what, you know, one in 11 stuff. Uh, you need to get better than that, right? I mean, so you could also say, yeah, that you practice like that, that's four and eight stuff, right? I mean, to his credit, he owned up to it, and uh, he fired the coaches that he, he had previously hired and defended, uh, Bodie Breeder and Troy Reffitt, and he made some changes. Reffitt's defense had allowed, what, 500 yards, four-plus times last season, they like to be real aggressive. They would miss a lot, and when you miss, you know, you take big swings. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna miss big, and I think that was the crux of it. Uh, and you can maybe say, well, he never really had a plan B. But I mean, Ruff, it's not really the guy. You don't hire him for his plan B, right? You hire him for the plan A. Uh, and you know, on the other side of the ball, Bodie Reader, you can see some of the um, some of the things that Seth Luttrell had told me uh, before the season, like. I, he had planned to make some changes anyway. Seth Luttrell did. Um, he thought that maybe the offense under under uh, Graham Harrell was a little conservative in certain areas. Um, like there's just not as many downfield shots as he wanted, and uh, which is you know I said it's kind of funny. You can kind of talk a lot about it, but like the air raid is a ball control offense, right? It's short, high percentage passes uh, to playmakers, you know, in space. Uh, you do stretch the field vertically, but, I mean, there's a lot more horizontal in front of you that's easy than, than vertical. You can get a tendency to just dink and dunk, but, um, you know, Mike Leach especially wanted to go deep. And, you know, Graham Harrell was a Mike Leach quarterback. Uh, you know, Graham Harrell threw to Michael Crabtree. I think he appreciates the value of throwing the ball deep. Uh, but anyway, I, I think uh, North Texas kind of got a little conservative at times, uh, and maybe there was like a philosophical clash uh, in in like how to approach some of the the big questions of an offense, right? Short yardage, what do we do? Do we, do we keep the ball in Mason Fine's hands, or do we hand it off to a running back? Um, you know, whatever way that they chose wasn't ultimately successful in the big moments, right? Against UAB at UAB a couple seasons ago, etc. Anyway. Um, Got Bodie Reader in there. He said, I like what he does. He kind of thinks like me, be very multiple, use the tight end a lot, you know, just kind of go up tempo, be multiple with your personnel, not necessarily with formation. Anyway, um, it, it, I think the funny thing was that Bodie Reader was successful, right? You look at the aggregate numbers, North Texas was right up there. It was uh, three out of three. Uh, in the uh, uh, top North Texas seasons of all time, right? And um, I think South Latrell era has, like, you know, three of the top four or something like that. And, you know, so you can say, man, they put up a lot of yards, Mason Fine threw for 29 touchdowns or whatever like that. It's not bad. You know, look at him. He threw for 12 touchdowns, two games, right? Five against Charlotte, seven against, uh, uh, was it UTEP? How was this not successful? But you watch it, you saw it, right? You knew, you knew it. It's in the moments where you needed some offense and then it would fall on its face. It was in the the inconsistent halves, right? Um, it was the drive against Cal where, you know, guys are dropping passes and running the wrong routes. That's not going to win you the game. Um, so that's, I think that's that was the biggest thrust of it. Uh, there is a new hire, you know, I don't have that name in front of me, and I always forget it. Um but it, this is kind of Seth Luttrell's thing again. Uh, he wants to take a little bit more ownership of it. And I guess if you're going to go down, 
you might as well go down with your philosophy, right? Um, so that brings us to today, right? Well, you know, I didn't mention the replacement, um, Clint Bowen. Clint Bowen came in. He used to be a North Texas guy in 2011. Uh, North Texas was a little bit more of a 4-3 back then. They made the switch uh, to Troy Reffitt when, when South Central came in. He was known for his 3-3-5 or the stack defense. Uh, Clint Bowen, he was a 4-3 guy. And then I think his time at Kansas, you know, with like limited talent relative to the rest of the uh, to the rest of the conference and seeing some some really great defensive minds there, right? Uh, uh, Gary Patterson and uh, the guy out of Iowa State, and a little bit Alex Grinch. He stepped in at Oklahoma and turned some things around. You know, he taught him some things, and uh, he evolved his stuff, and now he's a lot more mul- multiple, right? I think you heard that on the broadcast a bunch of times. Like, this multiple defense, multiple fronts. Um, I think it just like, you know, like, I think uh, he lists the rush in, right? Uh, uh, Larry Nixon as a as like a rusher, um, or you know Joe uh, Azugu who kind of ran that was in the jack position last season. Uh, they have the size and, and and sort of speed to kind of be an edge rusher, but in this kind of thing, in this kind of offense, you want them also to be able to drop back and pass coverage. That was something that Troy Reffitt did. Also, anybody who played that position was asked to drop back a couple times. Uh, you also had a couple inside linebackers play that position a couple times, right? EJ Gia played out there a few times. Um, you need a guy to be able to drop back into coverage, defend the pass, but also bring some pressure off the edge, right? Now, this is a whole lot of new stuff. I think it's just philosophy. Like, uh, hey, it's third and nine. Are we bringing pressure or are we flooding the zone, right? Uh, it seems like Clint Bowen prefers to flood the zone, bring three-man, three-man rush, and and kind of trust his defense to defend. Uh, that was something I think Mike Eckler had an issue with. Uh, like Mike Eckler and Trey Raffitt code coordinated the defense in South uh, Charles' first season. I think Eckler was kind of like, uh, let's be a little bit more conservative, and uh, Raffitt was like, nah, let's bring let's bring the pain. And you know, I I, I think. Either works, right? Because I think uh, famously, uh, was the John Skladani's defense was a little bit more um, of a bring pressure with your front four. Everybody sit back. Uh, we're going to defend in this 4-3 defense. And they were very successful. They won a lot of games. The defense is really, really good. Forced a lot of turnovers. Um, the problem is when you can't get pressure with your front four, you get sliced up. The next season, 2014, the front four couldn't get as much pressure. And when you're sitting back in a zone, all of a sudden, uh, with lots of time for the quarterback, it's uh, it's a field day, right? You just pitching and catching. So I, you know, I, I think we saw a little bit of that yesterday, and uh, we can begin talking about the game. So let's do it. Let's talk about the actual game of football we saw yesterday. Uh, sparse crowd there at Apogee, uh, empty, empty tailgate area. You know, COVID nineteen restrictions. Everybody masking up. Things are strange. Uh, but on the field, on the broadcast, um, it looked pretty normal. Uh, North Texas won the game, 57-31, put up 721 yards of offense, a school record. Jason Bean, Austin Ani, uh, quarterback competition uh, coming into the game. Well, they combined for over 300 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, Seth Luttrell said after the game that he likes a lot what they have there, blah, blah, blah. To my eyes, 
Uh, Jason Bean was the better player uh, in this game. He looked comfortable. He looked quick. Uh, he looked decisive. Uh, he, you know, he threw, was it 11 to 18, 217 yards, three touchdowns. He did throw an interception. And you know what? That was just a great play by, uh, how's that guy's name? Uh, I don't have him in front of me. Um, yeah, but they're, they're uh, def- it was at Wolf or something like that, right? He just, uh, he hid behind his own uh, teammate and then kind of jumped up and pulled it out of the sky with one hand. I mean, you got to give him credit. That was a great play. Um, Ani, meanwhile, he did throw for a touchdown to Jalen Darden. Uh, we'll talk about him in a second. He was 6 of 11, 111 yards, one one score, and he almost, he should have thrown a pick, right? He threw, it hit like three, uh, three, uh, what was it, Huskies? Three Husky defenders. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of luck involved in interceptions and things. Uh, but I, I thought that he looked, you know, you can see why they like him. He's tall. He's mobile. He's quick. He has a strong arm. Uh, I think he he did hit uh, Jair's shoulder on a, on a deep ball, and the ball looked nice and pretty. And uh, I wonder if that's kind of what the staff sees in him. They're like, man, this guy can throw the ball. We might need somebody to throw the ball deep. Uh, and nice, beautiful passes against a really good defense later on in the season. So, you know, um, I don't know. I haven't been watching practice. Uh, I, I don't – I'm not in the quarterback room. I haven't seen the day-to-day, and I don't know exactly, you know, what is preventing either one of these guys from saying, like, yeah, I'm I'm the guy. I'm the dude. Um, you know, you can trust in me to throw it, you know, 62 times like Bailey Zappi out, out there. Um. Let's talk about the defense a little bit, right? Because I think that was the other main thing. Number one, hey, is Jason Bean going to be good? And number two, um, what's up with this defense, right? Well, defense got sliced up for 569 yards, 480 through the air, right? Blake, uh, Bailey Zappi was uh, amazing. Uh, 39 completions on 62 attempts, 480 yards, three scores. He never looked uncomfortable. Like, he got pressured, right? I think there was four official QB hurries, but he never looked uncomfortable, right? Uh, it was more just reacting. He's like, okay, there's a guy running into my face. Let me roll left, find a man, completion. Let's go to the next play. Uh, they never bothered him, right? There's a, a thing about hurries, right? You think that that causes uh, panic or something like that. And usually, I guess, in your average quarterback who will do that, but uh, Bailey Zappi was unfazed. He was uh, running through the middle, floating uh, passes over the defense. It looked like a point guard throwing a lob uh, to his his teammates. I think we got to give him a lot of credit. Maybe against uh, different competition, um, less experienced competition. Because I think uh, Zappi's a senior, and he's you know he's been doing this for HBU uh, for a while now. He throws the ball a ton, uh, so you know there's not really a situation that he hasn't seen so far, right? And I'm sure defenses have tried lots of things to prevent him from throwing the ball around. And, uh, you know, he's uh, unfazed by it, it seems. Uh, yeah, so I, there were some issues. I did note, I think, in, like, the game recap, I saw some some uh, some things, uh, just small things, like HBU motioned their back from right to left, right? Uh, he was on the right side of the quarterback. He runs behind the quarterback out to the left. And you can see Larry Nixon Jr. signal his teammates behind him, like, hey, make the adjustment, right? Uh, usually, the, it could be anything on a particular call, but just typically for this kind of uh, offense, the safeties, right? Because there's five, there's three safeties, right? So 
two of them are kind of like function as nickel safeties or kind of um, uh, nickel corners, I mean, but like also like strong safeties where they, you need them to be able to defend uh, a pass down the middle and down the seam, but also step up and make a tackle uh, and play like a linebacker, right? Um, so he, Larry Nixon sig signals, and uh, it looks like Jackson Gibbs either one didn't get the signal or two didn't um didn't read and change his assignment accordingly he started following the running back which at that point Larry Nixon had adjusted for and Nixon was spying um and then uh, the tight end who Nixon was covering streaked down the seam Gibson uh, uh Gibbs was out of position at that point and Bailey Zappi Took a look, fired it in, completion, right? Like 15-yard gain to Alfaro down the middle, right? That, you know, was the kind of pass uh, that a, a veteran quarterback sees, right, uh, that a good offense creates and that uh, uh, a young defense will give up, right? And I think that's kind of what the the issue was there. That's the kind of stuff you need with repetitions, um, making that call, seeing it in practice all the time. Um, in a live game situation, you know, it's those mistakes that cost you games. Uh, I'm not too worried about it because I think everybody's going to give them a hard time uh, in practice and film in film study. They're going to talk about it tomorrow. They probably talked about it in the sideline. Hey, when the two goes here, now you're guarding two. And remember, it's uh, you guard the number two vertical. And if he breaks off his route, then you, you know, pick up, you help the number one receiver down the seam or something like that. Uh, there's rules to it, right? It's basically like uh, the outside corner picks up the number one. If he goes vertical and if he breaks off, then, uh, you know, he does something else. It's it's a combination. They they kind of change it up to give the offense some variety and not just let, let them know all the rules all the time. Uh, but that seamless communication, the seamless adjustment, that's a sign of a well-coached veteran team that can you know, make these adjustments on the fly, right? Nick Saban's defenses are, are famous for being well-prepared and well-coached. Uh, sometimes when the offense fails to make an adjustment, uh, they would, like, I guess, tauntingly tell them, like, hey, man, you were supposed to break your rat off at three steps here, um, and you didn't. And, you know, they just basically know your offense better than you do. That's how well-prepared they are. Uh, obviously not the case in this one, right? Um and again, to be expected, first game of the season, uh, we haven't seen as many rep repetitions uh, this fall or even this summer, this spring, under this new regime. So, you know, there are going to be mistakes. Uh, and then later on, we, I think we saw some freshman guys get, get beat. I think that 77-yard touchdown, like, towards the end of the game by HBU was on a freshman corner. Okay, you know, again, we're not going to make a, a big deal out of that. Uh, I mean... Yelling and screaming on, on Twitter is not going to really change things. Uh, he's going to get corrected in film study and on the practice field, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right, by his teammates. Um, we're not the coaches. So I, I think the takeaway we can get, right, um, the defense, you know, they were they were performing. I think I wrote in the, in the, in the uh, preview that it doesn't really matter where you stand. You can scheme up whatever you want. Uh, it's getting everybody to execute it, right? Uh, and you can you can go try this out right now, right? You can uh, when when the pandemic's over, and uh, you know 
things are allowed like this. Go join a rec league, I don't know, soccer team, basketball team, and try to implement a fancy offense, right? Try to implement like three plays. And what you'll find is that it takes a lot of repeating your message, uh, a lot of clarifying your message, and a lot of practice that you won't have. Like it just always takes more practice than you have. Um, I, and I play a little rec league soccer and, uh, the, you know, very occasionally, right. We get a new guy on the team. We're like, Hey, we should do, and you just suggest some new formation. I was like, cool, man. So what happens when we are doing this? Uh, like say, what happens when we're attacking? Like, how do we move relative to everybody else? And then say when we're defending, how does that happen? And then they're kind of like, oh, well, I mean, I guess everybody would just kind of defend. I was like, cool. All right, so then it seems like there's going to be a lot of running involved. Take a look at our team of dads and moms and, you know, just people that are just trying to have a good time. Who out here do you think is going to be able to fulfill some of these roles that you have in mind? And then they're kind of like, oh, I guess I didn't think about that like that, right? Um, so, why, you know, why am I comparing it to rec league stuff? Because it's the same, right? It's the same, right? Uh, you can have fancy defensive schemes and say, you know what, Give whenever we get this look, immediately everybody knows that they're going to shift over and you're going to read right to left or, you know what, vertical to horizontal. And uh, I know just how I'm going to defend this thing. And then, and then, right, you get out there, they run the offense, uh, and you're a half second late because you're like, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to read right to left and vertical to horizontal. And in that split second where you're readjusting the guy catches it, turns the corner, and it's six points, right? That's the difference, is that uh, uh, the other team is prepared. They're looking for you to be a step slow. And, uh, you know, to be a, a well-oiled machine takes a lot of practice and a lot of communication, a lot of teaching, right? All the other stuff. It's very difficult. So um, that's not to say it's impossible or that it shouldn't eventually be done better. Uh, but, you know, we just have to understand it and kind of say, well, it got sliced up in this one, and we expect better in the future, and that's kind of it. Um, HBO's a, they're, they're, they're okay, right? Bailey Zappi's a good quarterback. 480 yards, three TDs, and he never looked phased by anything. It's a little concerning that some of the defensive line couldn't get to the quarterback, right? You don't need a whole lot of scheming there. You just need to beat your man, get to the quarterback. Uh, I think there was one sack, and I think that was by Katie Davis. Um, that's not good. We don't want that. That was what doomed um, doomed North Texas the past couple seasons where they couldn't get the pressure on the quarterback. Uh, so, yeah, one sack, it was by Katie Davis. Uh, just the four QB hurries and, you know, whatever. We saw a rotating cast. Pretty much everybody was out there. I saw Asher Fro, Dayton LeBlanc, uh, you know, you name it, they were out there, and, uh, you know, we didn't see a whole lot from them. Uh, Katie Davis, again, led, led the team in, in tackles. Uh, Larry Nixon was up there, too. Tyreek Davis was third in tackles. Um, I think everybody's learning, right? Um, I don't know what else there is to say. You know, you, you can see some of those uh, coverage principles, a lot of quarters coverage. Um a lot of things different than the way Refit liked to do. He liked to man up on third downs and say, hey, "We're our guys are better than your guys," and you know, try and stop us. And I think there's a lot of a lot of a, a good stuff to that. 
But when you get beat on that, you look silly. You're like, what? How did this one guy just get so wide open? Well, it's just one man beating another man, and that's it. Um, in the same way in this one, like, how do they leave that guy open? It's because one guy stepped out of his own, right? It, it can look bad when it, only one person makes a mistake. Let's, go, let's talk about some good things, right? Jalen Darden came into the season with lots of hype. I think he was on the Belitnikoff uh, watch list. Five catches, 71 yards, three scores from two quarterbacks. Uh, he looked faster than anybody uh, on um, on HBU, and he often does against any anybody he plays. I noted, I said, you know what? This season, everybody's going to look to stop Darden and the run game, right? And if you're going to scheme up a game plan to do that, you're going to say, hey, well, Darden is a, he's a slot guy. Let's get a lot of guys in the middle and kind of muddy that up and um, and just kind of sit on a little short out route. Meanwhile, we'll stack the box, right? And, um, you know, we'll prevent any of those uh, talented running backs like Trey Siggers, uh, DeAndre Torrey, uh, Oscar Attaway from getting loose. And we'll bottle them up. We'll make Jason Bean, this guy who is not Mason Fine, we'll make him beat us. And you saw that, right? A couple of the, the early plays, uh, the very first couple of plays. We had one-on-one with uh, Jair Shorter out wide, uh, Deontay Simpson out wide, and uh, I think Greg White and even Jalen Darden got, got free. But you had a lot of one-on-one coverage out there, and uh, they, were, they were asking questions, as they say, of Jason Bean, saying, uh, what you got, buddy? Well, he threw some nice passes. Uh, he threw a nice... Uh, ball to Jair Shorter early. Uh, I think he had to come back for it, but whatever. He got a pass interference for us. Uh, he rolled out of the pocket, avoided pressure, found um, Greg White in the end zone for his first score. Greg White had two catches, 76 yards, uh, and a score. Basically, the, our outside receivers were winning one-on-one battles, getting vertical, right? This is the primary responsibility of our outside rec- wide receivers to get vertical uh, and win jump balls deep. Uh, they did it. I think A-plus is all around, right? Uh, they didn't have gigantic numbers right in the past game. Only 72 for, for Shorter, and he didn't get a touchdown. But Greg White had 76 in the score. Um, Deontay Simpson, three catches, 41 yards. Uh, I think uh, was it Keelan Jackson caught a couple passes. Uh, Deion Hare Griffin caught a pass. Jake Roberts. We, didn't, we, we tried some things. We liked what we saw. Uh, but mostly, this is kind of what we want, right? Uh, was it? 11 receivers caught a pass, and I know some of that was garbage time, but uh, even throughout the first part of the game, you can see them spreading the ball around, right? It's not going to be when we go deep, we go to that guy. And when we throw it short, we go to this guy. Um, we tried to, to mix in some variety. Uh, I think, yeah, ultimately, Shorter is going to be our deep threat. And uh, he, you know, he only caught the two passes on six targets, but he got a pass interference uh, drawn, right? Uh, that moves the ball. All that stuff is good. He's a problem. Teams are going to have to deal with him. And then all that frees up Jalen Darden. Uh, he's an outlet, right? Uh, he's also a playmaker. Uh, we've seen him right against Cal last season, catch a short pass, turn into 76 yards in the score. He can take something short and turn it long, right? And uh, he's he's uh, experienced enough, right, his fourth year. He he has all the tools, basically, right? Three scores in this one. I think he's up to third all-time in the North Texas touchdown uh, uh, all-time list. Uh, I, I expect him to continue that the rest of the season. I mean, even when North Texas was struggling last season, he still scored. 
I think he scored in eight, yeah, eight of twelve games that he played last year on his way to twelve touchdowns. Um, that that's exciting, right? Because we're like, hey, look, even when things are rough, he can still get a, a, a touchdown, right? We can still rely on him for a score. So, a couple of weeks we play SMU. Uh, they struggled a little bit with Texas State, so that's heartening, I guess. Um, but uh, you know, I think. They know we're going to look to him, but I think that, you know, he can find a way. The more that Shorter, Simpson, uh, Greg White, and whoever else is going to play out there are able to stretch the field and and uh, basically make it so that way they're not they, – the defenses can't overly concentrate on, on Darden, well, the the more passes that Darden will get, right? Um, the other side, right? The, well, the other side. The other aspect of, of the game plan was the run game. Uh, these game, early games against um, like an FCS team, right? I, it's hard to gauge the quality of the run game, right? Uh, for the most part, it looked fine, right? Um, the the offense offensive line was getting pushed; they were creating lanes. Uh, but I think sometimes it can get clouded by just a talent disparity, right? So Oscar Attaway touched the ball the first time, took it for a touchdown, right? He ended up with five carries, 118 yards, two scores. You like the way he run. He ran, uh, you know, basically after the first five yards, right? Once he got down the field and you just see it's pure talent, right? He was finding lanes. He was running physically, uh, shaking off tackles, a little spin move here and there, uh, and showing some speed. You like that, right? DeAndre Torrey ran physically. Uh, I think uh, past couple seasons he's... He's been primarily a speed guy, but you can see him running with more physicality, shaking off tackles, not being afraid of contact. Uh, Trey Sigurds, obviously, just a, he loves contact. He's never afraid. Uh, he didn't really shine so bright, only 2.9 yards per, per tote, but uh, 14 carries, 41 yards for him. I think it's, again, it's, I think it's difficult to gauge um, r- the run game against an FCS team. I think pretty much every time North Texas played an FCS squad in the last five years, uh, we've had like two to three hundred yards rushing, right? Uh, maybe the early indicators have been like in a short yardage situation or just kind of a weird, uh, like a very specific scenario where you can extrapolate that and and, and compare it to the future scenarios that you'll see in Conference USA play, right? Those are the only times, and there's like one or two in a game. Uh, I think for the most part, North Texas looked great. The offensive line moved in sync. Not a whole lot to complain about. Uh, but like I said, you just look at this 360 yards rushing. It's hard to just say, well, this is the greatest rushing team of all time now, obviously, because of the talent disparity, right? Uh, maybe North Texas never had to uh, face a scenario that they otherwise would have, um, you know, just because Oscar Attaway was running through everybody, right? Um, whatever. Anyway, everybody looked good. Uh, I think a good friend of the show, um, Greg said uh, he thinks Oscar Attaway is the guy. He thinks he's the most talented guy we have on the, on the squad. Could be. I don't really disagree with him. I also think that we have a lot of talent here. Uh, and nice variety, right? Like Evan Johnson a couple of seasons ago was, uh, you know, big play waiting to happen. Uh, we still got uh, Nick Smith somewhere deep on the on the roster. Isaiah Johnson, uh, he jumped out there and scored on his first touch, right? Uh, he had a 16-yard touchdown. Uh, seven carries, 41 yards total for him. Like, I I believe we can 
have a like if we needed one guy for one game to get us a hundred yards, right, and just to be the guy that game, I think any of these dudes could do it. Um, is there a guy that could be there and be the number one guy all season? I don't know so much. Like even Trey Siggers kind of got a little banged up towards the end of the season. Um, DeAndre Torrey was that guy a couple seasons ago. And I mean, he was, uh, you know, he scored what, 13 touchdowns, uh, his first season here, right? Um, he can sort of be that dude, but the good news is that we don't necessarily need that. Uh, we, we have, I think they said in the broadcast that the trail was like, Hey, we had a couple guys get 750 yards, right? Then we're good. Uh, we don't necessarily need one guy to get it over a thousand yards. And that's true. But I also think. Having a guy that you uh, can rely on, uh, you know how he's going to play, because I think that's a big part of your run game, is uh, when your line is, is making a block, you know, if you've worked with him so much, uh, how your running back is going to attack that, right? You know if he's going to, you know, wait a second and then attack the, the space, or he's going to, if he sees a cut, if he's going to go left or right, right? You just kind of know. Uh, versus, you know, just kind of mixing in new guys where maybe you're you're kind of a little hesitant. You know the base principles that, you know, whatever that they're supposed to do. But in practice, in the heat of the moment, where, where are they going to go? How are they going to move? That's different. Anyway, it's a small thing. Uh, I like the run game. Everybody was, was good. Uh, not too much to complain about. Uh, we did see Casey Martin on the, in the past game. I forgot about that. Four or five, 33 yards, right? Kind of, kind of quiet outing there. Uh, if that's how we see Casey Martin for the rest of the season, that's cool with me, right? Hey, winning big, uh, get out there, uh, throw a couple passes, you know, fist pump as you kneel the ball. I like it. I can take it. Um, that's it, right? Seven hundred twenty-one yards. I like it. Um, but let's not forget that five hundred sixty-one yards. But let's also not make too big a deal of it, right? It was a quality quarterback, the first outing for a defense under a new play caller, a new uh, coordinator on defense. I, I think there were, it was always going to be a little, uh, I don't want to say porous, but it, there was going to be some weaknesses there. I'm glad they have two weeks before the next one, before SMU comes to town. Or, well, we're all in the same town anyway. Uh, but North Texas plays. You play at SMU, right? Question in my life now, guys. Um, but, you know, I think prospects for this season, just to kind of get back to that, are, I want to say they're just not good, right? I, I think Jason Bean looked good in this one, but we saw him struggle uh, last season when he had fought duty, right, in place of Mason Fine. You maybe make the argument that, hey, you know what? Mason Fine didn't play so well last season either. So maybe that spot duty is unfair. Jason Bean. Uh, that's true. Uh, they were also throwing to receivers that were kind of getting a feel for themselves. Uh, you know, Jair Shorter didn't really break out until the Charlotte game. And, uh, you know, Jason Bean gets a full season with Jair Shorter. Uh, you know, kind of confident in himself, et cetera, as a, as a pure number one. And then he believes it. You know, I don't know. Um, yeah, we, SMU comes to town. We got SMU and we got Houston. Houston's going to be different. There's no Derek King uh, there this time. He's at Miami. Uh, but still a quality squad, and that team, without King, whooped us last season. right? Uh, Southern Miss doesn't look as good as they did. Last year, they have a handful of dudes out for uh, 
uh, well, they said they're going to sit out the season because of COVID and then a couple of them transferring. Charlotte comes to town in October the 10th. They were real good. Um, I think some people were picking them to win the league, which is uh, maybe a little crazy, but I expect that they'll be good. They'll be, uh, you know, they're well coached. There's a lot of excitement around there. They got some good recruits, but they're still they're still in rebuild mode. The East is is pretty wide open. So I, I, you know what, you can tell me a team and say they're going to come out of the East, and I'd believe you. But it's probably going to be Marshall, who looked amazing yesterday, fifty nine nothing. Um, but just going back to the schedule, middle looked terrible. And, you know, I wonder, I wonder if we had to play army, if we wouldn't have got whooped 42 to nothing, right? If there's any team, any program that's going to be prepared during, I guess, uh, exigent circumstances, right? Like a global pandemic, it's going to be army, right? They, they, they have to be, right? It's part of the job description. So, uh, it was a little unsurprising to see Army just look like Army and whoop up on Middle Tennessee. It was surprising to see Middle look so out of sorts, right? Rick Stock still is a, is a well-regarded coach, and they had some awful time management situations in there. It's not like they have a new staff. They still have Tony Franklin. Uh, you know, Asha O'Hara had played last season, but I think they, they just blew like two minutes. or uh, It was at least 40 seconds after a sack. Um on the right before the end of the half, and like Ash O'Hara was like laughing or something like that, just kind of like talking mess to the linebackers. They completely forgot that they had two timeouts. It was just ridiculous, the whole thing. Uh, so not good. Middle looks bad. We played them on the seventeenth of October. UTEP also looks bad. They, uh, I was joking that they upset Stephen F. Austin last night, uh, fourteen to three was the score for a while. Stephen F. Austin was up until. Uh, Two touchdowns, relatively quick touchdowns from UTEP right before the end of the half. Uh, pushed them over, and then they got a late fourth-quarter touchdown to stretch the lead to 24-14. to But, I mean, they struggled with Houston Baptist last season. Like, actually struggled, had to score in the last touchdown, uh, last uh, drive, scored a touchdown last drive. Um, I don't know. UTEP's pretty terrible. So, if you're just kind of ballparking some wins, I don't know that we beat SMU. I don't know that we beat Houston. Um, I can, I can see us being Southern Miss now, but I don't know. Charlotte's going to be tough. Middle and UTEP are going to be, I think you can count those as clear wins. Um, but traveling to middle might be weird. I don't know. We, North Texas was 0-6 on the road last season. So I don't know. It's hard for me to say, yeah, they're definitely going to go and win. And we travel to UTEP and that's always weird. Going out there to, to El Paso is always weird. And, you know, there's something about the mountain time zone that turns North Texas into uh, a different squad. Then you got La Tech at home. La Tech's always going to be good, but they they have a quarterback battle. They're trying to figure out what's going on over there. Then at UAB, the best team in the in the division, they still don't have quality quarterback play right now, but they still have Spencer Brown, and he, you know, he ran for over 127 uh, against uh, Central Arkansas. Their defense looks amazing. They're on a 19-game win streak at, at Legion Field. Um, you know, they're kind of a machine right now. Uh, then we home to Rice, and I'd like to d- dismiss Rice all the time, but they they, they beat us pretty bad in Houston um, last time we played them. So it's hard to just say, yeah, uh, Rice coming in here, they're not nothing important. And then finally, end of season at UTSA, uh, a team that is in transition. 
They have a new quarterback. I mean, a new uh, coach. Uh, they're going to probably get a, a new coach bounce. Uh, they got the quarterback back. Um, you know, he's been injury prone, but he's their most talented player. I don't know what that's going to be like, right? It's going to be different also on the road. I'm calling it a win, but uh, you never know, right? I, I think this season is right around, I think just that rough estimate is like five and six, what I have. Uh, you know, like, I think the defense is going to be better than we saw, and I think the offense is going to be worse than we saw. Uh, just just the nature of the, the way these things go. And, you know, I think I think when, when it's all said and done, that will be fine. Like, if we can squeak into whatever a bowl game looks like this season and, and just kind of be fine with it, I think we can complete the season without anybody getting COVID or anybody getting hurt. Um, and, and then, you know, just generally in college football with, without anything ridiculous happening, uh, or, or tragic, then we can call the season a win, right? I'm not so much concerned about whether or not the offense, uh, you know, is getting 350 yards a game and 30 points plus, you know, it just, it's nice to see college football again. It's nice to see, uh, some semblance of norm, uh, norm, normalcy again. Well, I keep wanting to say normality because uh, of that movie. Um, so I'm not I'm not too hung up on it, right? I mean, this season's crazy different. Uh, I don't know what bowl games are going to look like this season. Uh, it's not like I'm going to travel to it anyway. So I really wouldn't encourage any of you to travel to uh, to any bowl game, any place either. Uh, that part of everything is, is weird, and and I think that's the part that's the aspect where people would say, "Hey, what what are we doing this for?" Uh, that's what they're getting at, right? Like, why are we risking or putting ourselves at risk to play these games when we don't necessarily need to play these games? Um, but you know, I, like I said, I think, I think playing them brings a little uh, calmness to everybody, and I think it, it helps everybody's mental health to just to see some college football playing. But I also think that it can be a distraction from the larger issues. Like, hey, how did we get ourselves into this global pandemic anyway? How did we not heed the warnings? How, when we saw what was happening to Italy, did we not prepare for it, right? And we can ask ourselves those those questions. Like, uh, are the leaders that we elected the right people, uh, you know, at the state, local, federal level? Uh, are we putting enough pressure on them? Uh, do I know enough to even ask the right questions of them? You know, like, basically, take stock. Right? Adjust uh, your thinking. Figure out what's most important to you. Uh, in your society and, and then, you know, advocate for those things. Uh, so that way we can prevent something like this or or at least uh, be able to handle the next one, right? Or whatever the case may be. Um, I think that's the most important thing, right? Like we, we lost uh, the major sporting events throughout the summer, uh, including like the Olympics and everything, right? And, you know, it seems like our nation is the least prepared or handling it the least well uh, compared to some other ones, right? Like England's going to open up the Premier League next week uh, and everything's fine. Uh, um, and meanwhile, like University of Tennessee had 44 cases and they had to kind of shut everything down. Um, you know, I, I think Spain is opening up again a little bit, but then they're also a little lax about things and, and they, they had some issues. So we have to, we have to be better. And I know the challenges are greater here in America, right, where there's, you know, almost 400 billion people. It's not like, you know, 12 million in one of these smaller countries or something like that. And we have unique challenges. 
uh, given our geography and our history and, and, and what have you. But I think we need to be equal to the challenge, right? It's not like these set of circumstances were unique. It's not like a surprise. Like, hey, guess what? Thought experiment, 400 million people. How do you manage? Like, we've always known we have had a large country. We've always known that we have a large geographical area. We've always known, like, this was, you know, that was also part of the plan, right? Manifest destiny. Let's boot out all the uh, indigenous people, commit atrocities, and uh, take the land, right? Let's do that. That was always the plan. So uh, when these, when we, you know, make excuses for our own uh, uh, failures, uh, it's, well, let's say it's unacceptable. Uh, we need to be better. And then I'm not talking about like politicians and things. I'm talking about you or listening to it and me, right? We need to be better because, you know, we allowed them to, to run things. We're like, I don't know what these politicians are doing or I don't know what my state and local, uh, you know, boards are doing. Well, why not? Why don't you know that? Why don't you know the history of it, right? Why are you not uh, up to date? Why don't you know the, uh, you know, the gold standard in, in uh, you know, uh, pandemic and, and disaster planning and you know when it comes time to asking your local representative about it instead of handing your baby over for for he or she to kiss maybe you say hey what is what is your policy on on uh, you know global pandemic uh you know what is it right what, what's your disaster recovery plan right is that weird and wonky yes but it's also necessary Anyways, I hope everybody enjoyed uh, the first college football season. Uh, I mean, game of the season, right? I don't know how many more games we're going to have. Hopefully, we get to complete this whole season, oh, uh, you know, all across the board, right? And maybe even like the Big Ten, Pac-12, maybe they come back. There is a new testing, right, daily testing uh, agreement. A lot of hurdles to get over. I'm not, I'm not the kind of guy that's going to advocate for them to just, you know, Let's just do it and be legends because that's silly, right? That's how we got in this mess in the first place. I think everybody wants to play for a lot of reasons, uh, economic and, and uh, uh, like, cultural. Um, and we, when we get to that point, we need to make sure it's safe, right? I don't want to have forced a bunch of college kids to go out there and play some football for me. So I felt good for, for a couple months, and then they have uh, myocarditis, and debilitating, uh, you know, injuries for the rest of the days, right, because of it. No, I'm not comfortable with that. Go Mean Green.